Hello, and welcome to the Movie Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll have a spoiler-filled discussion about a movie we think you'll enjoy. In this episode, I'm joined by my sister Kate, and we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion on Spider-Man No Way Home from 2021. We finally watched it, having watched first the original Spider-Man trilogy, then the two Amazing Spider-Man movies, and then Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man Far From Home, and now finally Spider-Man No Way Home. I had wanted to do that because I hadn't seen this Amazing Spider-Man 2. It had been ages since I'd seen a lot of the other Spider-Man films you know, around the time they came out and such. And I knew this was going to have a lot of callbacks to those movies. So it's like, okay, I want to remember kind of where they left some of these characters and kind of remember who some of these characters even were. Because mm. I'll be honest, for some of the earlier films, didn't have great recollection. And I found this a very enjoyable film. It was, it was not a short film. No. It was, what did we say, two hours and 20-ish minutes? 20, yeah. Something like that. And there were a few times in the movie where... I felt they were lingering a little bit on a scene, but understandably so. Mm -hmm. Some of them were emotional moments when you get the, the three Spider-Men together and such. I mean, that, that was a risky move because it starts to make the character potentially feel redundant or uh, repetitive, yet it really, I think, allowed them to do something with what, for lack of a better term, was a trilogy of trilogies, almost. Yes. Uh, and really build something interesting out of that well they got to have the the brotherhood mm -hmm. of spider-man yes they had what resulted in a hilarious exchange where ned ends up promising not to what become a supervillain and kill him yeah yeah well because the best friend of peter in two worlds yes had basic well one of them had done that it would have been the uh, Harry in, in the Amazing Spider-Man stuff. Uh, well, both Harrys, kind of. Uh, yeah, but the second uh, in the the first Harry in the first trilogy kind of came around and was helping out at the end. Agreed, but he still betrayed him. Yes. So they they both had the you know my best friend betrayed me. Yeah, the rough friendship type stuff. They were able to do some fun compare and contrast against the different Spider-Men, even when it's a uh, you've got organic web shooters. We don't sort of. Mm -hmm thing which i thought was fun i really would have liked somebody to have commented particularly and part of it is since we meet them out of costume it doesn't quite work well i guess we met andrew garfield's version in costume first yes there needed to be a mention of are you guys clones mm. not that that would have made sense in these narrative universes necessarily but the clone saga is one of the bigger arcs and things that have popped up in the spider-man comics and the whole concept if you've got three guys in spider suits you know they at least had a nod towards you know uh, you know i was expecting one of them to be black from electro yes uh, which harkens back to uh the miles morales spider-man well but it's also very fitting in terms of that's a costume where you really have no idea who or what is under it yes you know, there are so many 
costumes where it's okay, we've got a band across the eyes. Mm-hmm. And you got the little domino mask that's not hiding much. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said, particularly as technology evolves, as society evolves, that a a sensible superhero costume is either the full body kind of Spider-Man thing or something along the, the Power Rangers line where you even got the helmet and stuff. But something to where you are covered head to toe. Well, Legends of Tomorrow went with an interesting twist on uh, Clark Kent's glasses, if you will. Gary oh, yeah, has yeah. the glasses that, you know, you would think glasses don't conceal much, but... Well, I had plans at one point to, to put together my own superhero universe. And one of the things was going to be that the, the mask actually has supernatural properties of obscuring identification because it's such a trope of the superhero genre yet it makes so little sense yeah i mean there is an aspect of if i'm used to seeing somebody in a certain attire in a certain place i can bump into them elsewhere and not even recognize them kind of a thing so there is that aspect of sensibility to the the thing but at least they had for these three different enough Spider-Man costumes that it was easy to keep at least the Tom Holland one separate from the other two. There were a few times where it got a little confusing with the other guys. In the final fight scene, I couldn't keep Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3 separate. Yeah. Well, and I think they numbered them oddly. I mean, it made as much sense as any numbering, but there is an aspect where uh, Tobey Maguire could have been Spider-Man 1 for obvious reasons, followed by Andrew Garfield, followed by Tom Holland, but, you know, home field advantage always gets the number one. Exactly. But I did like the confusion. You're, I, you're two. I thought I was, you know. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and they made some good use of the word amazing for Andrew yes. Garfield. Yeah. Well, and again, it, it rings true with the whole Spider-Man stuff, because Amazing Spider-Man is his core title. I did like the, oh, you remember the Avengers? Yes. What's that? Yeah, exactly. I loved, though, at the end where we're at the Statue of Liberty, that they're putting a shield on it. Doesn't last long, but it's like, okay, that was kind of cool. And Mm -hmm. I would have liked the other two guys to comment on that. Yeah. I mean, the three Spider-Men together, I think, was a lot of fun. That was really the the third act. I think they added to the story and didn't steal the spotlight. Mm -hmm. And there was a risk of that. But so early on, when we get Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2... Norman Osborn is the Green Goblin from Spider-Man 1. Sandman from Spider-Man 3. We get uh, Electro from Amazing Spider-Man 2. We get Lizard from Amazing Spider-Man 1. Who else did we get in here? Because there were a lot. Those were basically, I think those were the main ones. There was reference to Mysterio. I was expecting that, because this movie picks up on the heels of the last one. Well, yeah, it all kicks off because of Mysterio revealing the identity, but we never pursue Well, that's where I was going to go. The truth of the footage. Because I don't think it was Mysterio who did the reveal. I think it was his guy who did the drones that did it. Yeah, it was. Because he had the footage, etc. Mm-hmm. But that is completely dropped. We never even get anything on how Jameson got the footage and stuff. Yeah. And we never have anyone trying to investigate, is this legit footage? We do have uh, someone, when Peter's arrested, telling him Nick Fury's been off-world for a year. Mm-hmm. So you, As if they would know. Yeah. 
because that was just cops in New York. I am curious how things resolve to where nobody remembers Peter Parker, yet there's this video footage out there that could be pulled up at some point. Magic. In every sense. Well, magic. literally magic, but it's... Yeah, I wondered about that too. There's evidence to be had there. There's there's a paper trail and video footage and such. You know, how could you not see the... I mean, some time has elapsed, I guess. Well, but the question is, how does the spell alter that 24-hour news cycle? But that's the thing. It's not just the 24-hour news cycle. It was in the newspapers, etc. So anyone at a library who's looking at the newspapers for the last couple of weeks or something, or the, new, or the, the magazines. But that's my point. When the spell erases all memory from the world of Peter Parker, what does it put in the place? It's a question, yeah, of, of what exactly does the spell do? Because I took it to be a memory spell, because that's how it was refer referred to as. And I could see it's like, okay, people just don't remember. But what do they do? I mean, not when you see the person, because you don't remember them. Got it. I'm fine with that. Right. But like Facebook has a one year ago, You've you got posted this. You've got that in your, all of your electronic feeds. You go to, uh, again, a library or newsstand, you see last month's issue of this, that, or the other magazine where it's got Peter Parker's face as Spider-Man on the cover, presumably. Yeah. How does that play out? And they just kind of ignore that, which is, is fine. And the fact that they, they ignore that at the end, they never really follow up on the whole Mysterio plot line. Because mm -hmm. it was seeming at first like this was a arguably a continuation of that storyline. And I would say technically it is not. That one just ended on a note that started this one. This is a consequences of that storyline. Or the reveal that came well, out of that storyline. The reveal line. that came out of it is the fine line I want to draw because you could have done almost anything to lead to the reveal. Because this had nothing to do with Mysterio or his people. It's, it's the fact Peter's identity in some way, shape, or form got revealed. It's twofold. And I'm going to say that because it was also the fact that Spider-Man was attached to the destruction of Tower Bridge and so many big landmarks in Europe. If all of Spider-Man's fights, if the Washington Monument hadn't been involved in the first movie, but I'm going to set that one aside, but if there had been nothing with the Tower Bridge in London, if he had only been your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, no, I see what you're saying. I guess for me, there was a storyline that in the comics of, of Civil War that ended on a pivotal moment for Captain America, but that moment could have literally happened anywhere, anytime, almost, mm -hmm. and then boom, that same storyline kicks off. And I think you're right here. There is an aspect of the destruction Spider-Man has left behind him, but I think a lot of it could have been... This kid's been around. Look at what happened to the the sandwich shop. Look at what happened to... Yeah. So you could have replaced it with that, and it would have had the same narrative consequences. Yeah, I can see that. And that's why I was, when I was realizing, okay, we did have the Washington Monument mm -hmm. in the first one. And well, this movie, for me, was very complex in terms of calling on my memory to do a lot of work. Because I'm sitting here going, okay, the... And you're going to have to help me with the name of it, but the Department of Disaster... Uh, damage Control? Damage Control. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm sitting there going, okay, we have watched eight movies in the past... Two it's, weeks. Yeah. 
So which of the eight movies was that introduced in? Okay, that was well, two movies ago. Uh, that was this Spider-Man. Yeah. So that is this universe. But it's funny because we get no real callback to the Vulture, who knew who Spider-Man was. Agreed. And but I expected him. Already in-universe, so okay. We got no callback to Mysterio or his crew. Now granted, Mysterio presumably died, but I'm not totally convinced of that. I'm pretty sure he died on Tower Bridge. It wasn't in the footage that they were rehashing. No, but we had seen, it looked like he was going after Spider-Man. Spider-Man reaches over to grab the gun. Right. Throws him off to the side, but it's not like he fell to his death or he'd been shot or something. Got it. Okay, yeah. So I'm not convinced he died. I'll give you that. And again, illusions. Yes. Of course, the whole issue I had with the illusions, the more I thought about it, they're in the previous movie, they're holograms. You are essentially projecting light. How do you project black, which is kind of the absence of light? You know, how do you have a hologram cast a shadow? Yeah. So there's there's some stuff there. It's it's movie magic. They did some some cool stuff here though in terms of juggling a crazy amount of characters, narrative plot lines here and there, and they were kind of cleaning up after a, frankly most of the previous movies. What I actually wanted about two thirds or more into the movie was for Peter to tell Ned, you know, you're my guy in the chair. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to figure out where online everyone who knows me but knows I wouldn't want my identity out there would be looking and put some coded or discreet message that they would follow. And it's kind of a, you know, Friends of Dorothy type meeting. Plant the Easter egg to, to reveal the memory back. Well, not even that. What I wanted was some Alcoholics Anonymous type meeting where all the MJs show up, all the Aunt Mays show mm. up, you know. Yeah. Well, and the fact that we didn't have MJ or Captain Stacy or a few other people that knew. Yes. That was a little... Because, I mean, they, again, they brought the goblin back and he had clearly died. Yes. Well, and most of them, when we got down into the wizard's, wizard's dungeon... We're saying, and the last thing I remember was the sense of great power and then Well, but if, dying. if we go through it, Doc Ock, when we had last seen him, well, let's start in the first movie. Okay, so Goblin, he'd been skewered by his own glider. He was dying. He was, you know, put back in his penthouse and stuff. Mm -hmm. Hard to find a time spot to snag him out of. Okay. Right. Octopus, uh, Doc Ock, we had seen him going underwater with his, his reactor and stuff. Never to be seen again. So he could have been taken from there. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, Sandman had just been floating off in New York. Yes. So he could have been taken pretty much at any time. And I don't recall if we see him fade away at the end. I mean, presumably he does, but I don't recall it. The next movie was Kurt Connors, who had been cured and was in prison. Yes. So now we're seeing him having reverted to the lizard. So when and how did that happen? We've got... Electro. Electro, who was last seen essentially overloading and exploding. Mm -hmm. So he could have exploded into the other realm and been snagged at that point. Okay. Who else did we have? Was That, that was actually when we had Sandman, which you mentioned before. No, Sandman was the uh, Spider-Man 3. Oh. And Electro was Amazing Spider-Man 2. There you go. See? I'm, I'm getting confused. Yeah. 
We did not have Venom, although the end credit scene, I guess, was the Venom from the movies? We haven't watched the Venom movies, so I don't know. The f- yeah. That end credit scene just fell flat for me. Mm-hmm. Well, and we did have reference to which Spider-Man has fought aliens versus- on Earth versus in space. Yes. Well, I-, I thought that was kind of funny because Andrew Garfield's like, I'm feeling kind of lame. I haven't done any of that. Yes. <laughs> just fought a guy in a rhino armor, you know. Yes, yes. Although it would have been fun to have seen the rhino and such. But again, you look at just how many villains they had in this movie. There's a lot just to give them the few moments to express themselves and show any sort of personality. Yeah. Plus the, oh, we've got to cure them. They're going to go back to this point. And they're going to die. Well, and I mean, that that's really what we haven't talked about is this twist on the great responsibility. And first of all, it's coming from Aunt May, not Uncle Ben. Yeah. But, and really the blip is feeding into Aunt May's sense of how the responsibility plays out. But the whole, we can help these people. Mm-hmm. And so many of the Spider-Man villains that we've seen across this are in some fashion either misguided or you can't help but feel like with Electro, who just wanted to be seen. Yeah. They were either misguided or really got the the short end of the stick kind of a thing mm-hmm. and kind of lashed out accordingly. Yeah. I mean, Sandman, if somebody would have just helped him with a GoFundMe. Yeah. You know, so I really did like that this Spider-Man was, and every one of these movies in some sense feels like coming of age. Yeah. And his coming of age moment in this was, I don't have to defeat them. In some sense, I don't have to imprison them. I can help them. And the I, the word fix really did annoy me in yeah. this. But the sense that we can help as opposed to reform even. Well, and they should have focused more on the help phrasing in terms of it's not that you're broken and we need to fix you. Mm-hmm. It's you've fallen and we can help you get up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and you just need a little assistance. You can stand on your own two feet, all that kind of a thing. But if you look at the past Spider-Man movies, in most cases, the villain dies. Yeah. I think the lizard was one of the few who got imprisoned. Well, I'm trying to think because it feels like we ended with that imprisoning like... Well, the second Harry. Yes. The second Harry got imprisoned, but other than that... Sandman floated away, mm-hmm. Goblin died, Octopus died. Mm-hmm. So the first trilogy was really full of death. Yes. By the second trilo- the second two movies, we'd moved to imprisoning with almost a sense of threat at the end. Mm-hmm. You've imprisoned me, but I know things you don't know they are going to come back to haunt you. Yeah. Or I'm crazy and I'm going to come back to haunt you. Whereas in this trilogy, the villains, all of them... Find out who Peter is. Yes. I don't think there's a single one who didn't. And in most cases, they kind of keep that knowledge to themselves. Mysterio being the clear exception. And then technically, again, I don't think it was him. I think it was one of his guys who did the drones. Max or whoever. Yeah, but I think he was in on that. Based on the conversation where Max is saying, basically, I can't wait to see how you twist this to your advantage. Now, he did have a scriptwriter guy down on the ground, too. Was it twist this to your advantage, or how do you get out of this? Because I thought they were arranging to have 
spin up the the illusion of my suit so I can be standing here when he thinks I'm there. Well, it was when the uh, the holograms fa- failed. Yeah. And it was, everyone can see the drones. Yep. How are you going to flip this to your advantage? Yeah, yeah. And the fact that there was, the, the Stark tech was written out very quickly in this movie. Yes. That kind of made sense because they were leaning on it kind of heavily. Well, that but, having been said, they still had the replicator thing or the, the whatever the machine was. Yeah, but they had to walk a fine line because either you had to move away from Stark or you had to bring in Pepper Potts. Which they did at the end of the first movie. Yes. But I think that they they had to pick one side of that line to fall to. Either we're going to bring in Pepper and Happy or instead of Happy, or we're going to veer away from the Stark. I, I think they still could have had Happy as the go-between and mention Pepper, but not actually see. But granted, they brought in so many people from Doctor Strange, Wong, all the villains and such that- Matt Murdock. Matt Murdock for a short scene, and I would have liked to have seen more. Oh, definitely. I, I love the bit where he catches the brick of, I'm a very good lawyer. I felt that we needed Matt Murdock again at the end, because Happy got arrested at the end, near the end. But apparently that all went away. I would have liked to have seen it where Peter had gone to Murdock's law firm and basically says, I need help. I've lost everything. Can you help me reset up my identity? Him or um, Jessica Jones? We'd already seen Matt Murdock. True. But, well, and that was part of what frustrated me at the end. We have a 17-year-old kid whose legal guardian is dead, who is getting his own apartment. Well, technically, we've got a 17, 18-year-old kid who has no history in this world. Yeah. Nobody remembers him. It's not that he's got no guardian. He's got nada. Mm -hmm. Just the shirt on his back. Yeah. So how he, one, afforded the apartment, and two, had anything to move into the apartment, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm a little unclear on. And he can't go back to school, so he's working on GED. I mean, mm-hmm. this movie happened because he was bummed he couldn't get into MIT. Yeah. And didn't think to appeal the decision. I loved Dr. <laughs> Strange's calling on it. Before having me brainwash the entire world, did you not call them and talk to them? I can do that? <laughs> yes. And it, it, again, he's a young kid. Well, but I love how they play that. Yes. In terms of, I mean, Dr. Strange flat out says, I forget sometimes you do all these things fighting all these great villains. You've saved the world a few times. I forget. You're yeah. a kid. Yeah. I'm really curious the next time, presuming there is one, and I sure hope there is, that Tom Holland's Spider-Man shows up in the MCU, how they're going to do that. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man is known. Exactly. Well, and Happy knows Spider-Man. So all the Avengers know Spider-Man, but they don't know who he is. And at some point, they're going to realize, that's kind of weird. How do we not know who he is? But they probably know what he looks like, but don't know his name? I don't think so. I'm taking it as they have forgotten entirely about Peter Parker. And you know that's the kind of thing that Nick Fury is going to be bothered by. Okay, here's a question, though. Did the spell only affect Earth? I'm going to say no. I think it's more far-reaching than that, given it had multiversal implications. Mm. I'm taking it as an all-reality sort of thing. Now, we may get more insight into that in the Doctor Strange movie. I'm just thinking Nick Fury was off-planet. Yes. So it would be entertaining if the people who were off-planet remembered Peter. Yeah, I would see that as a bit of a cheat. Yeah. 
given what, what would seem pure. I can see that. But there is that option. I would also love to see, because in, in some of the previous movies, they've done the little clip thing of what happened before. Mm -hmm. Do that with something Spider-Man was heavily involved in and do it to where it's blatantly cut like, wait, what? You know what I mean? Of somebody's telling the story and they don't realize there's, they're talking about, and then this unknown person did this, and then Spider-Man, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, I actually wanted uh, Flash Thompson to have one more scene at the end. Because throughout these three movies, we'd had Flash claiming to be Spider-Man's best friend. He's written a book, Flashpoint. Yes. All my experiences with Spider-Man. Flashpoint as a title is hilarious. Yes, I was thinking that too, actually. Just because of the whole Flash, Flashpoint yeah. stuff. You know, and Peter had promised to uh, swing Flash to school. Well, and to promise to be, you know, say he was best friends and such. Yeah. Yeah, there's some stuff they could do there if they wanted to. And I'm I'm not sure where they're planning on going next with the Spider-Man franchise. They've got a lot of possibilities, but I really think what they've been doing in these movies has just been a ton of fun. A ton of fun, and I like the message. Mm -hmm. It's got a better tone, style, and sensibility to it. I mean, this Spider-Man isn't perfect. He lost it with Norman Osborn. Yeah. But one of the other Spider-Men stepped in without saying a word and challenged him physically. Yeah, it's like, I can't let you do this, and you know that. Yeah, and you, you know why you can't do this. Well, they'd already had that discussion. Yes, but it was a, I'm not going to talk you down. I'm going to make you internally talk yourself down. I'm going to give you the time to come, come back to your senses. Yeah. Well, and this trilogy, I think, did a better job establishing that May and Peter, they were there for each other. Yes, definitely. And in a way that was different than in the previous movies. Mm -hmm. Well, May meeting MJ was hilarious. Mm -hmm. Peter calling out May and Happy on their relationship. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and I loved how that conversation was continuing from the end of the last movie. Yes, yes. Again, they, they picked up right where they left off. Yeah. J.K. Simmons is, is J. Jonah Jameson. Again, terrific. Oh, yes. I love when we finally pull back from his first broadcast. We're in his studio, and it's like his basement with a big green screen behind him. And it's like, this is, you know, a, a makeshift studio. And then later in the movie, he's got a full-blown studio. He has hit the big time now. But it was like this story made him, but he still had that studio at the end of the film. Did he? Yeah. The new studio. You mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the Daily Bugle had a van, so I was, yeah. The, well, and this happened also in uh, Supergirl, where they're, because newspapers are not what they were when mm -hmm. these comic books were first created. Yes. They're now these multimedia. Everything's now a digital site versus a newspaper well and they seem to be a cross between a newspaper a 24-hour tv station a website that's streaming this 24-hour video news yeah yeah they are a uh, what would that be a vertical monopoly that could not survive in the real world it's a transmedia something or other but yeah, yeah. it is going to be interesting to see if there's any ramifications for jameson of having built up his reputation on a story that now nobody seems to remember, but he still has the benefits of. Yeah. 
That's the closest I can think of to a, a plot hole in this movie. Other than, again, nobody investigated how this came to be and, and what's going on. And the ramifications for Peter legally kind of evaporated fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'd like to see him in a next movie asking MJ about the necklace. Yeah. Because she's still wearing it. Where did you get it? All that kind of a stuff. If they do another movie with this, it's going to be, I don't say a repeat of the love story, but a, a setting that back up. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Well, but in some respects, that's not entirely bad because, first of all, Peter's grown a lot mm-hmm. as a character over these movies. But he's also still addressing the question of, she loves me because I'm Peter, right? Not because I'm Spider-Man. Can he get her to fall in love with him as Peter? And is he accidentally giving her the information she needs to figure it out again on purpose? Uh Uh-huh. And do we wind up with a movie or two later? Yeah, Ned, but I figured it out first and I've known longer. Yes. The reversal on that. Yes. Agreed. And if you do another film, how do you fill the void without May around... And with Happy knowing Spider-Man, but not in the same way. Well, and I mean, part of me wonders, would they try basically letting Flash be in Ned's position for a movie as kind of a Peter doesn't have friends. He needs somebody Mm -hmm. and Flash has money. So it's not a bad friend to bring in for. That would have made more sense with the amazing Spider-Man Flash than this one, because that one. Agreed. Softened up a bit. Agreed. That Flash became a much better character over the course of the movies than this one did. But with this Ned, when we first met these characters, this Ned was a tried and true friend. Yes. And then we became Spider-Man and he remained a tried and true friend. He found out about Spider-Man totally by accident and Peter wasn't going to tell him if he didn't have to. Right. But now... Which would Ned become friends with first? And would Peter wonder if the friendship was the same with the same tried and true sincerity? Mm-hmm. If there were no spe- Spider-Man now? Yeah, yeah. Well, and just because you've always been friends with somebody doesn't mean that clean slate, you could become a friend with them now. Yeah. Situation of how you met, how you came to be friends would, would be different. Yeah. And you bond over the experiences. Yeah. And that poor Lego Death Star. I did like the callback of having the Emperor minifig at the end. Yeah. As he hung on to something. Yeah, I I hope they do more with this and figure out... Because, I mean, the implication is the next movie would be them at MIT. Mm Mm-hmm. How Peter gets in and stuff like that, don't know. Or does he? I want him to, but he's on track to get a GED instead of an actual degree. Uh, sorry, an actual diploma. I think he needed that to, to get past not having a diploma to get into college. But how many colleges like MIT will take somebody with a GED instead of a diploma? I think not many, but when you've got somebody as smart as this Peter Parker, they're going to look at it and say, okay, where did this com- kid come from and, and stuff like that. I guess to me is if you do it at MIT, you've now taken Spider-Man out of New York. Yeah. And that gets it to be... I don't want to say a hard sell, but a little odd. And I don't know that that's the right move. But then how do you deal with, okay, they're, they're all going to, or at least MJ and Ned are going to MIT. Or do you only do summer stories? Totally a possibility, yeah. 
I mean, they do a good job with the passage of time. We go from, you know, take down the Halloween direct, uh, decorations to it's Christmas time. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. So they don't kind of scream at us when this is. But they give us the clues along the way. Yeah, yeah. Fun movie. Again, I liked how they were cleaning up. Well, they're all going to go back to die or let's cure them or, mm -hmm. you know, let's let's resolve unresolved things from the other films. Well, and I liked that Tobey Maguire had the, I've had a long time to think about mm -hmm. how I would help Norman. I liked how Andrew Garfield, when he's saving MJ from a very similar fate to what Gwen did, mm -hmm. is, is visibly moved of, I got it right this time. Yes. Yeah. You know, those were the moments that were callbacks to the other films that I really enjoyed. Yeah. And might have been a little lost on me if I hadn't just watched the other films. Agreed. Yeah. So this is something that for Spider-Man was not quite the equivalent of Endgame, but is about as close as you could get given what they'd done with the character before. I think if you haven't watched all the previous Spider-Man movies, I think if I hadn't watched all the previous Spider-Man movies, enough would have been lost on me. I wouldn't have realized what a good film this is. Yes. This is for the, the continuity buffs, the fans of the movies, etc. I don't know how they could have worked it in, but I think it would have been really nice if they could have gotten Nicholas Hammond as kind of when Ned thinks he's got a false dial on the portal, he comes through because he was the guy who was the first live action Spider-Man in oh, the US. Yes, that's right. You know? Yeah. And if it's basically, okay, we've gotten Andrew, we've gotten Toby, who's this guy? Yeah. And they realize, and this is guys, uh, I'm the voice of experience. I can hold down the fort. I can be the man in the chair, but mm -hmm. I'm too old for this kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, and it would have been very interesting if that Spider-Man had referenced the Doctor Strange from the 70s TV movie. Mm. In other words, yeah, I know of one. I, I know the type. So again, fun movie. I really think Spider-Man is a good part of the MCU. I think they, they play within that framework without leaning too heavily on it or getting lost in the minutiae or continuity of it. And they really celebrated, what, 20 years of Spider-Man films thereabouts? Yeah. yeah. So Some just, great dialogue and some great sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. What I think would have been funny as an end credit scene instead of the presumably Venom one that fell flat, mm -hmm. if we had... Going back to jail, we get Michael Keaton as the vulture, and it's like, I feel like I'm forgetting something. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. Well, it's funny, because when uh, I started hosting family reunions for one side of our uh, family, and various cousins asked me, you know, have you been reading up on how to host a family reunion, this, that, and the other? Okay, so I did it. I read the articles, and one of them was, you know, put uh, colors in each corner of the room and it's this generation you go the red corner this generation you go the blue corner well i could have seen a gathering here where it's okay aunt may's you gather at this table yes, mj's yes. gather at this table osborne's over there yes yeah yes yeah. and even if they had just had a post-credit scene that was the equivalent to a deleted scene that that would have been a hilarious bonus extra to have had here's all the flashes here's where we get the you know the various gwens and, and mjs and such mm -hmm. yeah yeah i've got the spider-man into the spider-verse which is an animated cross spider-man continuity -ish sort of a thing mm -hmm. 
And given what a great job they did here, I am curious about that. Yeah, me too. So at some point, we'll get to that. Anything else on this? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.